hype builders. So very quickly, I need to kind of explain myself. I noticed that sometimes I get into a pattern where you may not get an episode for about two weeks at a time, right? Um, know that that's not intentional, that a lot of times I may be taking care of my mental health. I may be juggling work, family, and all the normal life shit, right? So I don't say that as an excuse, but I do say that as um, a way to be informative, Um I think that, you know, if you do also visit letsbuildfutures.com, the latest blog post that I put up there kind of explains in depth this last, uh, <laughs> these last couple of weeks, what I've been struggling with. And to be honest, my mental health and emotional health will always come first. So while uh, podcasting is very therapeutic for me, sometimes I do need to take that space uh, that I use to create these episodes and uh, edit them and post them and promote them to just kind of focus on myself. So I don't ever want you, the builders, to feel like, oh, damn, she forgot, you know, Um, because I didn't. Um, A lot of times I beat myself up for not getting an episode out every single week. But with the nature of what's going on, there are going to be times when uh, it just happens that way. And I will get better at communicating when that happens um, and why it happens. So just to be clear, you will always at least get one episode or two episodes from me a month, okay? So I I hope that that doesn't deter you from engaging, listening, and promoting this podcast because I do think we have something great here. But um, I don't try to act like I'm not a real person behind this. I know that podcasting and uh, creating in this way takes a lot of work, but life itself is a lot of work and sometimes I'm just not going to be on a tight-knit schedule the way that you may be used to other podcasts being so just wanted to make that announcement and um, now I'll shut up so we can get into this great creating space episode thank you again Hey, <laughs> hey! what's up, builders? It's your girl, Cantonette the Blogger, and you are now listening to the LBF Podcast. Here with me today is, uh, you know what? I didn't ask if I need to call you by your real name or Melanin Behind the Lens, but I know you <laughs> as Sophia. So, I mean, we go with both, I guess. Um, just say something for the builders and let them know what you're into. Hi, everybody. My name is uh, Sophia L. Ellis, and I'm the CEO and founder of Melinda the Mahanalins Production Company. And we do uh, anything from short films, features, music videos, commercials, um, weddings. Um, I write, direct. I'm also a cinematographer. I know that's a big word. Most people don't know what cinematography is, but it's just pretty much the people, the person that holds the camera. So I do the camera work. Um, I'm a screenwriter. I'm a best-selling author. <sighs> yes. Yeah, I think this is. <laughs> Look, because I had all of that up here, a filmmaker, a cinematographer, a director, author. I didn't have screenwriter up there because I didn't know that one, <laughs> but I was going to ask yeah. about that process and if yeah. you outsourced for, you know, your scripts and everything. Okay. Um, 
So you're located in Texas and mm-hmm. shout out, you know, to all the markets that's out there. And before yes. we started recording, you were telling me about the incentives for, I guess, filmmakers and cinematographers mm-hmm. in that area and, and the fact that you hope they bring back those incentives. And what do you mean by that? So um, a few years ago, Texas took away the incentives and um, incentives filmmakers are important because it's allowed us to produce a film and then we can file taxes on like um, deductibles and expenses and all that other good stuff. Well, Texas took that away like maybe five-ish years ago. So because of that, Hollywood took away all the films. Um, Like Miscogeniality was filmed here, Varsity Blue. There's a few, there's a lot of films that have been filmed in Texas. But um, because they took it away, Hollywood no longer comes to Texas. So which kind of made Texas like a dry state for acting because Mm -hmm. they don't have that incentives like New York, LA, and Atlanta does. Right. So um, even New Orleans has a tax incentive. That's why you'll see um, like CSI, Swamp People, um, and some more other shows that are produced out of New Orleans because they have incentives and Texas just don't. Right. Are there other states that you know of that don't have one that could have a good market? Um, so I really think I don't know if Florida has it, but I really think Florida is a good I know their taxes is kind of high. So there's probably veer people off when it comes to like location and stuff like that. But to me, Florida is a really good area. Right. Um, another good one to me is Colorado. Um, only because it gives you the snow, it gives you the mountains, you can get the country. You can pretty much get all settings in Colorado. I know it's in the middle of nowhere, but... um, (laughs) That works in your favorite. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, you're like, oh, I need a snow scene or something. Fly your behind in Colorado because that would be a perfect state for it. (laughs) So how did you get into cinematography and filmmaking? And what's the difference? Because maybe I'm like a novice to it. I didn't know if they were the same thing, if people conflate them and call them something different. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So uh, filmmaker is the overall gist of things. If you have written, produced, if you are a um, art director on set, which means you're the person who like puts this on the wall. You're the person who put the plant right there purposely. Um, so that's the art director, a production manager is the one that handles like the clapboard and it keeps up. So anything when it comes to film, if you do it, you're considered a filmmaker. Okay. Anything. Um, a cinematographer, which is also known as a director of photography, is the person who controls what you see on camera. So if you're ever like looking at a movie and you see like the camera will be like rotating mm-hmm. or the lights in the back will be blue in the background and red over here. Well, that's a cinematographer's job is what you actually see is um, what I do. And I fell in love with it about, it hasn't been long. I know most people think I've been doing this for a long time. I know, I remember seeing you pop up with me a couple of years ago and I've been watching your journey, you know, seeing socially on social media of how you've been like, I don't know, learning new techniques and, you know, progressing and uh, I guess networking too. I've been watching, so (laughs) I know it's still a young thing for you, but it's very impressive and I'm very proud. Like, you know, you don't see a lot of, milling in behind the lens you get what I'm saying right right and that was the whole purpose of me like tagging that name because I was like man there's so many there's people that always want to be in front of the camera even to this day I'd be like oh put me as an extra cast me for the role but there's very (laughs) few people 
all the time. Like my inbox be flooded. <laughs> but there's very few people that wants to be behind the camera that mm-hmm. actually does. I won't say it's um, less or more work, but it's definitely a different speed when you're behind the camera. So I just wanted to focus on those Black women that wanted to be behind the camera, wanted to do the directing, the screenwriting, the the art direction, the assistant AD, the sound, the lights, you know what I'm saying? Like all that comes together when it comes to making a film. So with being the CEO of Melanin Behind Lens, you do you have other women you said that was important to you have other women that are following up under your business oh yeah 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 I think consists of seven people okay and honestly it just kind of it just kind of randomly came together I said hey you want to help me with this you look like you're real good at interior decorating you want to <laughs> do art you really good at keeping up with papers you want to do this you bossy <laughs> I literally just asked people to um to for a set and then they just supported me so much that I was like like, y'all this is our team like we want to of course build eventually to have more people but they love being on set and these are they're they don't know it but they're filmmakers as well but yeah and I can tell that even my team has grown since since like I do it so often because I write a script pretty fast and be like we're shooting next week (laughs) so um They've even learned some of the lingo and the terminology and how film is going on. I just love it. So how did you learn? Uh, was it like a formal training or have you just been kind of more of a experienced person and you learned through your experience with it? I actually uh, went to college for okay. it. So um, I got my associates in digital cinematography at Full Sail University. And that did um, allow me to get the foundation because I didn't know anything. I was a children's book author. And then I ended up writing um, a chapter for the Amazon bestseller. And then I wrote the My King Looks Like Me. And like the Amazon reviews was like, this should be a movie. This should be a movie. Mm. And I was like, So me being very like always loving to learn, I was like, well, how what does it take to make the book into a movie? And it was like, write the script. I was like, a script? What is a script? <laughs> and then from there, it just, it just really blossomed. And I could have went different routes, but I love being the camera person. Right. I love it. So I went to school, got my associates, and sure enough, I could have probably learned it on YouTube, but I was able to still get that foundation that I need and then kind of put my own spin on stuff. So, And it's always, YouTube University is always available to us. Okay. But sometimes you do want to get that formal training to learn things the right way and not the, the hustler right. way. <laughs> That's why <laughs> like, I understand you know, that. Because YouTube is just like people that's experienced that has like what they've went through. But sometimes Mm -hmm. it's good to have that formal training. Like what's the typical camera settings? Like YouTube really wasn't teaching that. YouTube was just like pick up a camera and shoot. But like, no, they wasn't teaching me about the different lens that go on top. So, I mean, that's my nerdy cinematography stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nothing wrong with it. But I love that. I mean, your whole face and your energy is lighting up talking about something that, I mean, Really, when one thing sparks, I think with creativity, it's kind of like a wildfire. 
you might get that mm-hmm. one spark in one area. And then next thing you know, a couple of years later, you're doing something totally different than what you thought you would be doing because totally you've different. just been following your creative energy. And so it's awesome to see that and to see you. Cause I remember the, you know, the author you, you know, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. um, and we're going to be getting into that after I ask you or mention your recent film and your demo stolen beauty. So it's a psychological thriller about Cassie, who is a white woman that is obsessed with Black women and Black culture. And she holds these two Black women hostage as her collectible dolls. What? <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? And and I know, I, I think you said that you're, you know, submitting that as a part of a contest. Um, yeah. So just let me know. Let us know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> so I forgot how the idea like blossom blossom but I think I was like on Instagram and there was this Chinese lady she put on makeup and she turned into like a black woman I was like oh god that's scary (laughs) and then it was something on I think it was Murray or Jerry Springer or one of them things and she was like I am not black I am white and it was like this black girl's trying so hard to be white and then this white woman trying so hard to be black Mm -hmm. and then the movie Get Out came and I was like I just watched that last night (laughs) I was like, oh, oh. I, when I tell you I'm in love with George and Peele, I yeah. love George and Peele. I wish so bad. And I do have some contacts for his production company, Monkey Paw. I just don't want to move to L.A. But um, I want to work under him so bad underneath the project. But that's how I originally came by. I was like, oh, well, what if she like disguised herself as a black woman? And what if she like collects black women as dolls? Right. And yeah, then I wrote a whole script about it. And <laughs> uh, that script ended up actually getting quarter finalists in a film festival maybe like a month ago. And uh, then the contest I'm doing now is the Netflix and Adobe contest, which mm-hmm. all they wanted was a one minute trailer. And I was like, well, shoot, I don't have a trailer because it's just the script. Right. So I asked some of my friends here, I was like, hey, you want to put on some black makeup and pretend like you kidnapped doll? She was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other two uh, actresses, one is a part, actually a part of the team. Um, she was like, come on, Sophia. So I picked up the camera, shot it, edited it. And then that's that's what you saw. When the girl cried, I was like. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I, I was like, that's that get out moment. Mm-hmm. You did? <laughs> I did. Because I think after I had already reached out to you for this creating space, that's when you put it out. And so I looked at it. I was like, let me make sure I'm all reset and caught up on everything. And I was like, this reminds me so much of this new genre of like psychological horror that's out. You got like, yeah. you know, the get out and the us. And then you have, um, I think even Hulu did like a bad hair. Um, yeah. Like, where specific horror for black people. And so I was just like, I could see this. And I saw where you put Adobe and Netflix in there. And the fact that it was, you know, tailored, a trailer tailored, tailored to uh, mm-hmm. something that they were doing. So I can definitely see that being on like the 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 tab for like black watches and black voices and stuff yeah yeah <laughs> i mean because it's a great it's an interesting storyline because i'm just like oh when i tell you when i wrote the script i had to go into a deep dark place and i'm like i can't so as a screenwriter it's easy for you to write a basic conversation Mm-hmm. I feel like anybody can do that. But what makes a screenwriter different in those Hollywood blockbuster dialogues that you see is when people dig deeper in touch spaces that 
people are not used to being touched. So when I wrote that script, there's like a big monologue that she says. I had to go into a deep part. I don't know. People read the monologue. They like, Sophia, are you okay? And you had to face your your own issues and stuff and your realities. It's just, it's very like, I could probably send it to you. So you'd be like, yeah, this is not Sophia, I know. But I had to go into another space to write it because I'm like, I want when people, when she talks that scene, I want people to be like, oh God, oh God, oh my. (laughs) Like, I want to cringe so in order for you I have to say things that has never been said before (laughs) Uh, so yeah yeah that's where you get the authenticity um I'm actually looking to produce that yeah yeah and um it's it doesn't sound like everything else and that's what I notice is what's needed now in the film industry is not making spinoffs, not making prequels and sequels and blah, 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 blah. But Originality. <laughs> showing the public something that they haven't seen before. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. Can't tell you how many times I done shifted through or, you know, Netflix or Hulu. I'm just like, I don't want to see none of this. <laughs> I want something else, right. you know? I want to watch something that's something original. Different. All these remakes, I don't want it. <laughs> Uh, all the time. Like now I see they got Space Jam remake and I was just like, y'all could be Space Jam alone. Why are we doing this? Y'all could be It's a classic. The, I still watch the old one. <laughs> Come on. Thank you. I watched the old one the other day. <laughs> and I think it was on HBO Max. <laughs> mm-hmm. It definitely is. <laughs> right. So I was like, no, but I understand Hollywood is running out of ideas, which is also a prime time for filmmakers to get those ideas down, put them down on script, submit them to film festivals because Hollywood is desperately, desperately needing new content. So those contests that it got out, like that one, I had to post that video on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I was like, TikTok? Okay. I mean, I'm on TikTok. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) That's weird. Right. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because you know like you said Hollywood desperately is in in need of like fresh ideas but I think it's so many fresh ideas out there so then the other issue I think is like are they opening doors to to those people who hold those fresh ideas you know are they making the opportunities available to those people who are like yourself who are in this industry and who are coming with their own form of originality and Mm -hmm. their own spin on it so do you think that you know there is some kind of gatekeeping maybe that's happening that's preventing that originality from getting to the big people? Um, I think I think the industry goes on, it's worked before, so why not try it again? Which mm-hmm. is fine. You know, if something, if that story, I'm, I'm going to say this, if Black Pain movies has always oh, worked, like the slavery, to, so I will never produce one. But because they've worked so many times, they work with Harriet, they work with 12 Years a Slave, they work with Roots, going all the way back to the 90s with Roots. Mm-hmm. Like, they've worked so much before, I mean, so well before, why not continue to, to keep it going? Which okay. is fine, but... This our generation nowadays, we 
look for something that's different. That's mm-hmm. why TikTok is booming so much because it's different people taking a sound or taking a song mm-hmm. and interpreting it the way they want to. It's so, kind of like amateur filmmaking uh, when you look at a lot of these TikToks that are like curated, like meticulously. Yes. And I just yes. be like, how y'all be having the outfit changes? And, and <laughs> <laughs> I be like, well, y'all, I, I, a whole production. <laughs> yeah, there's one I saw, I'll be like, how long did it take you to do this? Because I know. <laughs> I know for this 15 seconds, it took you at least about eight hour work shift. So <laughs> I ain't got it in me. <laughs> well, I, 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 I do be on TikTok. Well, then, I mean, it's good to watch, but as far as like me making a TikTok, <laughs> I don't know about that, you know. <laughs> I'm going to watch the 20 videos. I'll be up there, so. I be up there hey. sending everything. I'll be getting <laughs> it, okay? Whoa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to switch a little bit and then we're going to come back into the filmmaking lane of it. But of course, you are also a children's book author, which I think is amazing. Um, (laughs) What made you want to write a children's book series, which you you have um, Zaire Ali Alexander. Did I say it right? Eli. (laughs) Eli. Sorry. Um, But he's nicknamed Trey. And he's an African-American boy who dreams big. He dreams about being a chef, a painter, a police officer, a judge, and even a farmer. The possibilities of what Trey can do are endless. And so for a little Black boy to be able to dream as big as Trey, what made you decide to write a book about that? So it's insane. I don't have kids, but when I was stationed in Colorado, um, my friend brought her kids over and I was just trying to find them something to watch on TV. And I was like, okay, Door the Explorer, Mickey Mouse. Blah, blah. And I was like, ain't nobody there ain't no black characters out here. And then somebody was like, oh, with Dr. McStuffin and Little Bill, I was like, Little Bill is a little outdated because he's talking about, you know, stuff that happened back when he was a kid back in like the 70s and 60s and stuff like that. And I was like, and Dr. McStuffin is for specifically medical and it's for the black girl generation. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm. I was like, why kids don't ask what they want to be when they grow up? And then, girl, the light bulb came up. I started writing and I was like, ooh, it could be like a life lesson. So the first story I wrote was when he dreamed about being a police officer. Mm -hmm. And how he did that is his best friend is a Muslim. And she was being teased by people at school because she wears the hijab and she's a full-blown Muslim. So he came to rescue her and save her. And in turn, he takes a nap and he dreams about being like this big police officer that just likes to save the world. And the moral of the story is, you know, stand up for what you believe in and always fight for those who can't. So I was like, oh. So after that, I just started, I'll pick an occupation and I write the story. So, so far he's been a doctor, he's been a chef, he's been an artist, he's been a police officer, he's been a judge, he's been a military, um, all branches of the military. He's <laughs> so that is, that's why I said the possibilities are endless because in this series, a TV show, because I really want to be on TV and I actually got some things moving towards that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) But um, I was like, this would be a dope TV show. And it just shows little boys that there's more out there than being a rapper or an athlete. Mm -hmm. Cause now it seems like that's the only thing I'm sorry. And now they want to be 
a social media influencer. Like you can get paper and I have to talk to kids like this because they don't understand any other way. I say, you can get paper by being a dope chef. Okay. And that'd be a lot of money. If you, (laughs) that's a skill you'll never lose. That part, I was like, you can get paper by being a obstetrician. I was like, but I feel like somebody got to show them that way. And I feel like the Trace series is just the perfect, the perfect answer to what I feel like is missing in the children's animation world right now. It really is. When you think about like how children see themselves represented, right? That's kind of like the first uh, the first way we we understand what the possibilities are, right? Mm-hmm. And for Black children in the country like this one, <laughs> um, that part, <laughs> that part um, how we see ourselves early on affects what we believe we can do. And it might seem simple, right? Because it is a, a children's book. It seems simple, like, oh, yeah, it's fun. He's going to be doing different occupations. But for that little mm-hmm. Black boy, he's looking at something and realizing, like, oh, I can do this. I could possibly, yeah. oh, I'm interested in this. You know, I'm pretty sure there are some, you know, children, Black boys out there that they've read, you know, the Trey series, and they probably have their favorite, you know, book specific yeah. to something that they might want to do when they get older. And it's, it's crazy you said I have... There's this little boy, he's so outgrown now because I wrote the series back in 2000 and what I got deployed in 2015. So 2014 is when I wrote the book. Um, Sorry. Sorry, come back. There we go. I wrote the series back in 2014. So there was somebody that bought the first book in 2015. So he's six years older than what he is now. And he still, his mom came to me and was like, you know, you're the reason why my son likes to, concoct weird things in the kitchen I was like <laughs> well what would you say that she was like because in your book you had when he put the applesauce in the chili so now he thinks that he could just be experimenting in the kitchen and I was like I was like but sis I was like him doing that experiment now can maybe lead up to the signature dish of the world later I was mm-hmm. like let him experience I said that's what that reaction is exactly what I wanted what for the wanted? series I love that, exactly that so much um I'll share my own little quick one. So, of course, I don't have no kids either, but I do have nieces and nephews. And when my oldest nephew, he was a uh, kindergarten and he was having trouble reading. Right. Um, we didn't uh, know at that point that he had like hearing loss in one of his ears. Mm-hmm. But what I used to do, do is I would go and I would sit in school with him and like, you know, just try to help him with his work. So one of the mm-hmm. things I realized is like none of these books interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, I want them to read this stuff. And it's just like they they mm-hmm. need to have some kind of personal relationship with it. So what I did, I was at work one night on third shift floor and <laughs> um, I made him a personal book um, and I had him going through. I think I put him like with the Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's good. That's and girl, good. listen, I'm sitting there drawing, drawing it out. I'm not an artist, <laughs> but it was cute, though. It came out cute. It was I, cute. It, it was cute. cute. <laughs> and I let him know, like, you know, um, once you figure out how to read this book from cover to cover, then we can make you another one. And so that was one of the ways, you know, I try to contribute not only to his self-image um, and his confidence, because I think, you know, confidence is also a big part of what your books do. Mm-hmm. representation know. I say that all the time it's representation mm-hmm. like yeah. let me sh- let me show you something because you may be you may be not having it like you and now like when I wrote the book I honestly to be real with you I didn't want to write the book 
I did not. Really? All I wanted to do was to have the idea and I wanted to sell else. the idea mm. to Disney or Nickelodeon. That was my, I was like, yo, I just want to sell it. I was like, I suck at writing. I suck. <laughs> I was like, I suck at English. I don't want to do it. Until I was talking to somebody, I don't even remember. And they was like, Trey needs to be a household name first. And then maybe that'll pick up. So actually that one conversation is what started me now as a screenwriter mm-hmm. so which is kind of it's kind of crazy because <laughs> well, was Dora the Explorer a household name first you know what I'm saying yeah, well I don't Spongebob I don't I don't know if Spongebob was out when I was in high school <laughs> is it, uh, Spongebob is old <laughs> and I would like I, you know you don't really pay attention to it. and then you start looking at it, you be like some of these problematic show. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this is not a kid's show I still watch Spongebob and I'd be enjoying myself with all that inappropriate <laughs> behavior <laughs> so yeah it's just and uh and with Trey I had to constantly tell myself Sophia it is a marathon it's not a sprint mm-hmm. yes you see other people around you that's doing this they was like it's 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 gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen so now that I'm in this field I'm like oh my gosh I can do this I can write the script so now I actually have a motion to get the animation done because of me just treating it like a marathon and not a sprint so hopefully you'll see it by like maybe next year Oh, I am going to be looking forward to that. I will, (laughs) because we need it so much. We really do. We do. So what was your favorite cartoon as a child? Uh, So I was a huge Nickelodeon baby. (laughs) So I probably will say Rugrats. (laughs) Hey, Rugrats is a good one. But but did you have the PlayStation Rugrats game, though? No, I didn't. We didn't have money like that, baby. We didn't. Listen, we I was broke too, but you know, you know different <laughs> levels, different levels. I got you. I ain't gonna. You well, know? I was in New York, and that's all I remember was Nickelodeon, Rugrats, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Ren and Stimpy, and just like silly behind. And then, of course, I was I like Mickey Mouse too, but mm. it was yeah, I was more of a Bugs Bunny person than a Mickey Mouse person. Oh, I love <laughs> Bugs Bunny, yeah, the old school Looney Tunes. Yeah, because he was a smart behind, and we didn't notice it. Yeah. Bluetooth was a little adult too, so yeah, <laughs> shooting like, people up there. Yeah, chasing after this, trying to kill Tweety Polo, baby. Polo, right? Tweety, Tweety was terrorizing. <laughs> <laughs> All he wanted to do was relax and hit them little cat, just messing him up anyway. <laughs> so I, I think I'm gonna have to. I, I'm like you, you know. We was a little broke too, so all the times we didn't have cable. Sometimes the cable was on, sometimes the cable was off, depending on how okay. much money they had to play to uh, pay the bill. But <laughs> you know, uh, Cat Dog, Hey Arnold, um, yes, SpongeBob is always a classic. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I can't remember much on Disney Channel. Oh, so another one I was was Arthur. I was a huge <gasps> Arthur fan. Only because the theme song was hitting, girl. It, it was still hit. Yes. When you're walking down the street. Hey. <laughs> Listen, it had that reggae influence. It's okay now. Y'all was gonna get us. That's what it was. And I was that's what they like, say, Arthur Black. <laughs> he is. He is. Cause ain't nobody gonna come up with no reggae theme song for a children's TV show. But wait, real quick, you know, we kind of trying to tie it back into screenwriting. <laughs> Not really, but it kind of, kind of looked. <laughs> that episode where he punched uh, DW. 
Oh, I don't think I remember that one. That's the one that the meme come from. And so the conversation is like, you know, people were saying like how, you know, it's a little problematic because he shouldn't be hitting a girl. And I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm all for not having no domestic violence. But he told her not to touch his plane. However, comma. (laughs) He told her not to go in his room. That was a brother. That was a brother. <laughs> and they siblings. They siblings. I, I'm just like a, as many fist fights as me and my uh, sister that had. I, I can't judge nobody. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was a show. Mm-hmm. Okay. So top three favorite films. Oh, man. Top three. So I got to put Get Out up there. Mm-hmm. Um. I know this is gonna be weird, but Jurassic World. The new one or the old school one? The Jurassic World. Girl, I don't know. I know they got a lot of them. Yeah, so the re- Jurassic Park is the old school one. Now Jurassic World is the new one. The new one, okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, I don't know, it's weird. And man, I would have to probably say Love Jones. Yeah. I tell people all the time because a lot of people don't really like Love Jones. Not a lot of people, but so, uh, there's a good amount of people that say, you know, they don't like Love Jones. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. aside from the beautiful story that is very much steeped in truths of Black love, mm-hmm. you don't like that, at least appreciate the cinematography. <laughs> yes. I and the poetry in it. Poetry. I was like, the I'm lighting. not going to lie, that is my style. And oh. almost every film that I have, I incorporate a poem. Listen, I I love it. Like it's, I was mm-hmm. like, the whole film is art, it's poetry, and it so is. for me, I usually gravitate towards those types of films, and those usually are like my favorite ones. But mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know a lot mm-hmm. about filmmaking, but I do consider myself somewhat of like a cinephile when it comes to like movies, at least. Like, yeah, I like a movie. <laughs> I can tell you sometimes by looking at a movie like, oh, okay, this director directed this movie or this person, yeah. you know, just yeah. from the style of it. But yeah, I think mine is, uh, have you seen The Arrival? The Arrival? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. It's um, it's about like an alien invasion. I want to give away for the people. Oh, wow, good question. <laughs> look, you talking about uh, dinosaurs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be judging by oh, wow. we, we went out of space, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's about um aliens coming to Earth and then this woman she's uh trying to communicate with them. The storyline itself is absolutely flawless to me. The way it's okay. shot is beautiful. Um and so I really love that movie. Love Jones is always a favorite. Mm-hmm. And I can't really think of that. I'm telling you, I like different <laughs> movies for different things. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I admire admirer of Spike Lee movies, but um, I'm only an admirer because I study his style. Right. Not exactly his film, because no offense, I hate musicals. So <sighs> this is why Tyler Perry is just—he's not. Listen, none of it. It's too much singing. It's too much I singing hate- for me. Musicals with a passion. I've never seen Rent. I'm not watching Hamilton. I don't want to hear it. Like, <laughs> Why well, I started Hamilton, like, what it was like a few months ago, I started Hamilton. I think I got to like the first 10 minutes and I was just like, I can't do it. Absolutely not. Just say it. Why are you singing? Yeah, say it. I'm going to go over there. <laughs> 
right, so I'm gonna meet you over there. Just say it. You can text me that too. You, uh, Relax. <laughs> I do not do musicals, which is why Ty, I know everyone praises Tyler Perry, and I love what he's done for the yeah. black community in the film industry. Absolutely love it. However, comma, he he doesn't allow no one in his writing room. His storyline, I can always predict the end of something at the beginning of his stuff. And I hate By the title. (laughs) By the the title. title. I'm just like, all right. I know what this is going to be. I I had another um, filmmaker and cinematographer on on for a creative space. And she's awesome. Shout out to She the Camera. Uh, Danny, Mm -hmm. Danica. But I'll ask you too, because you brought up Tyler Perry. And... Like a lot of people will, you know, speak to the things that you can't take away what he's done in the industry. But when it comes to, like you said, his writer's room and the fact that he doesn't, I don't feel as though his storylines are full. Like they're not mm-hmm. fully fleshed out. They're not fully developed. And it kind of leaves you lacking. And then the way that sometimes the dynamics of Black women and men play out in his storylines too, mm-hmm. I find problematic. Um, and I just wanted to know, like, how do you, Hello. you know, how do you feel about it? And how do you feel about, like, possibly coming into once you get to that status, receiving criticism for some of the things you are going to be creating in the way that you create? So um, the reason why I think Tyler Perry is so successful is because when he entered the industry, it lacked the stage play don't get me wrong he was having stage plays Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the black stage play and then he Mm. brought something that was so common to people which was that old school mama old Mm -hmm. school grandmama auntie that we all relate to so instantly that's what got him on and then he kind of drug it so i'm a i'm a nerd once again so i study a lot Tyler Perry can literally write a whole season in like two, three weeks. Oh, yeah. There's no freaking way that you are character development, plot twist. I'm sorry, plot twist, the enticing um, incident, um, act one, act two, act three. There's no way that you are writing all this down and then going back and editing it. So to me, he just does it. He just does it too fast. That's why you always see his shows. And I have not watched any of his new shows okay, at yeah. all. <laughs> at all. So but that's why like you he say, does it sounds repetitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because, okay, yes, you have a studio. Yes, you have the resource to be like, I'm going to write this show today and we're going to shoot it next. Because you have the resources, it does not always necessarily mean you should do it. Right. And quantity sometimes at the sacrifice of quality is you should have just kept Definitely. it. <laughs> and now I heard he's bringing Medea back after he done said because you already knew that Medea was what the cash people cap. recognized since mm-hmm. the 1990. Well, I think he came out in 1995, 1996. Was so it in the 90s? It was in the 90s when um the plane. Um, uh, when class reunion came out that was his first one and then family reunion came out it was in the 90s so you've been carrying this for 25 years now why would you take her out but anyway so <laughs> one thing that I think that um that I'm probably going to get critiqued about is I write topics that's a little bit taboo like um, because I'm part of the LGBT, I write LGBT films. Happy Pride and I write Month. it. <laughs> Where's my flag? Where's my flag? Hey. <laughs> so, 
So um, I write uh, LGBT films. I have a polygamy, a, a polyamorous amongst Black people film. Uh, the movie get the movie uh, Stolen Beauty, where I'm putting a white mm-hmm. woman making her black, and I know I'm a, so I already know what I write is gonna be criticism, but I try. So luckily, I'm good at taking criticism. Somebody be like, "Hey, Sophia, you can change this." I'd be like, "Cool," and I'm so open with criticism. The only thing I don't do is the negativity. They'd be like, yeah. oh, why are you so... I've learned right. how to just block those out, honestly, because mm-hmm. I understand that's just the name of the game. Um, so, yeah, I think what'll probably stand me out from everybody else is because I'm willing to take that space. Um, when Leah Waif came on the set, I just knew she was going to give us some good, unique LGBT films <gasps> from a from a masculine woman perspective. I just knew she was about to enter because more people are the LGBT than honestly straight to be to be real well, with you. We are less than hunger. I mean, dwindling down. <laughs> yeah, y'all are dwindling down. Okay, so I was like, you got the audience. You will have people that's yeah. even curious about it. Mm-hmm. And then she came to do Queen of Slim, and I was like, "Okay, Queen of Slim's like Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, what else she got for me?" Then she get twenties, which is crazy because one of the girls off twenties is actually going to be in my comedy. But anyway, then she got twenties, and I was like, "Okay." And then I was like, "Where are you going to fill this void at?" But she has already said she is not doing LGBT films. I was like, "That's good that you're not." Is Master of None not a part of her project? Which one? Master of None. Isn't that on, I think that's the series that's on uh, Netflix. That's hers? I don't know. Just, I, I have to check on that I'm one. I'm going to have to check on that one too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I do like that she does have like a film academy out in LA. So she, she'll bring you in. She has workshops, no matter what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I do love that. But I'm like, sis, just like, um, what's his name? Travis, it's not Travis Porter. Ah, the real flamboyant dude in, in Pose. Oh, Billy uh, Porter. There we go. I know he's <laughs> Porter in there. Um, like he knew what he was. He knew the space that he could conquer in. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. And people watch Pose, not even realize it's set in the 80s. And it's pretty much about a whole bunch of gay people voguing and which right. HIV and AIDS. Like, so it just kills me that she does not take the opportunity to have people to learn the beauty of the LGBT and being a masculine woman. Right. I don't, I just don't get it. I I think that not to say I'm, I'm part of the community and know all the struggles and of course, representation, I'm sure matters. Um, but I can see her making the argument a lot of Black um, creatives in that same field would make when they say, I don't always want to focus on, you know, just Black stories, you know, because I want to just tell the stories I want to tell. I don't want it to always be because I'm Black that I'm obligated to tell these stories. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can see is that sense. And that's, um, I know like my first film was an LGBT. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this feature film that I just got finished uh, shooting and uh, premiering, that's an LGBT film. In neither one of my log lines, I put that it was LGBT. If people are like, oh, what's the film about? I was like, oh, it's a romance about a woman who finally discovers her true self. 
and you watch it and you're gonna see it for what it is and it's still and a story about and a woman <laughs> and Paolo and karma has got picked up what three four times at a film festival um actually we got a film festival to go to in atlanta in september for that particular film oh, and okay. then my king looks like me which was the novel that inspired me to become a screenwriter that one is actually with a distribution so I could possibly have a distributor contract that's going to pitch the idea to like Netflix, Hulu, Tubi, Amazon. So they could be like, wow, we love your film. Here was three point whatever million dollars for it. Right. And be like, want to know why? Because it's a story that it's a romance that's just flipped around. So um but I do have other films. Like, of course, the the Stolen Beauty one is not LGBT. So I like range. I know one, tip, one thing I'm going to tell you, though, I probably won't do no more drama romances. Cause, um, and that's fine. Listen, we got enough of them out here. Because <laughs> uh, I don't get me wrong, it's cute. But I'm unorthodox. Mm. I like to do that? things. I like to do things that is not the common. Like, the LGBT films. I like doing that. The polyamorous people. I don't know why people hush hush on this day on polyamorous. I'm like, oh, it's a whole community. You know what? I did a live uh, last night, and um, <clears throat> one of the topics that the builder said that they wanted to hear from the podcast was on polyamory, polygamous relationships. And I was just like, Oh, I'm not a subject matter. I know I'm gonna have to outsource and learn, you know. Yeah. So I might be tapping in to see what kind of context you might can put me in, and you know, so <laughs> I can have that conversation because I do think that it's something to it to show people there's different forms of relationships and that they're okay. Like, you know, what I'm saying you don't uh, have to just. Girl, you don't want to get me talking box. about this history because I am poly. Like, well, the person I'm with now is not poly, so I don't practice it. But even when I first met you, I was. Right. So um, people definitely take it out of context. Um, It's something I feel like it's something once people learn, then they will understand more. And sometimes it's just just ignorance. And this ignorance don't always have to be a bad word. It's just the lack of knowledge. I feel like once people. Yeah. Once people know about the life and maybe become a little bit more understanding, just like now they're more understanding to BBWs. Now they're more understanding with people Vigilago. Now they're more understanding because people are starting to say, okay, this is me, start to come to the forefront. And now us was like, okay, we can understand your struggle. Right. And this is the truth of it. This is not just the stereotypes that you cling to to understand. Right. Right. So I absolutely love it so i was like i'm gonna put you down honey (laughs) (laughs) look i'm a whole facebook admin to um a group that has like 3.3 thousand people in in there from poly so all we do is have discussions and lies and i ask questions and stuff like that because there's so many different dynamics that people just don't understand people you could be in a poly relationship it could be platonic so well, <laughs> you know <laughs> some people are yeah. in- involuntarily so let's not judge so involuntarily <laughs> and um it's crazy because um people's like oh blah 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 the bible gives us and they always quote things like that and i was like 
Y'all do know in the Bible, Hesha McCalla had some some modern wives. I, I was gonna say, this is, is, I know it was a couple of kings, some some regular folks, and <laughs> it <laughs> is. And I was like, I don't understand how y'all ignored that part and just focus on another part. So was Esther just mm-hmm. one in the number? <laughs> Wasn't it? I don't know. Look, once once I learn information, I just like, well. But um, so this is a study that's right. Even in the Middle East now, like um, while we was deployed, we saw it live. Like we mm-hmm. saw that this wife number one, two, three. So it's a common practice. Why right. people don't talk about it? Why is it so taboo? I don't know, but I promise we're right gonna is. make a platform for us to actually discuss it and get an episode out. Oh about yeah. It. Yeah. Um, well, who here I is because I'm showing sure up gonna be tapping into those to those subjects that people be like, mm, I oh don't girl, care that, about I love that. I, that's what LBF mm-hmm. is built on. Be uncomfortable. I want you to because that's yeah, that's where the growth comes from. <laughs> that part. Okay. Well, speaking of growth, like what are the biggest lessons that you feel like you've learned from working as oh, a filmmaker? Oh. Hey builders, I'm back with another announcement. As you know, you can visit letsbuildfeatures.com for blog posts and podcast episodes, but you can also now go to YouTube and type in LBF Podcast to get the full visual and audio episodes. That's right. You are able now to see my awesome face <laughs> and all the lovely faces of my guests from previous episodes and future episodes. So be sure to type in LBF Podcast on YouTube and continue to listen for the rest of this episode. Um, I had to learn because when I first got into the industry, a lot of people was just telling me it don't matter. Just volunteer for everyone's set. Just if they need a production, a PA, which is a production assistant, if they need a production assistant, just go on, just go on, mm. just go on. So I was doing that and I like my resume ended up building very fast because of mm-hmm. it. But I had to learn that I can't say yes to every project. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had to learn definitely how to allow um, critique, which I'm already good at allowing critique. I'm definitely not that kind of person. And um, I had to learn that this is like, uh, I have a lot of phrases. This is like a horse race. So in a horse race, the horse don't pay attention to the person that's beside them or behind them or in front of them. They Mm -hmm. just pay attention to what they have to do. So um, I, once I stopped focusing, okay, this person is doing this, this person is being successful, this person, like once I just mm-hmm. like, Sophia, just do you and stay in your lane, yeah. stuff started flowing so much. Like this year, I know people would last year with COVID was like, oh, it was bad. I was like, y'all with COVID me? this daggone year. Like, but you I know, to be honest, I, I feel the same way. I don't say it too loud, you know, but yeah. just being able to like organize myself as a creative and actually have the space to create and actually mm-hmm. network like, yeah, 2020 was yeah. bad for me. We don't say okay? it too loud, but, um, you know, not, I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah, I, did. <laughs> I think I, let me just took I'm sorry, let me put this disclaimer. For anybody out there that has lost somebody due to COVID, I do not mean to be insensitive. I do apologize. Um, But what we are saying is that out of something very difficult, a lot of times you do find space to kind of reinvent and reinvest in yourself. So Right. You you have to find the light because at your apps, at one, it was just so many people was dying and get sick. I know Mm -hmm. everybody got sick. And I used to, I took it for granted. No one I know has passed away, but 
I was like, well, shoot, I'm still going to travel. I'm still. And so I was still trying. I actually did my first international solo trip during the COVID to Cancun for the mm-hmm. weekend. Cause I was like, I need to get the freak out of this country. So <laughs> I went to Mexico and I was just like, wow. But I discovered so much of me during the pandemic. It, I loved it. So okay. yes, not saying that it, it was just the time for my right. life where I was at. Luckily, nobody I knew passed away from it, mm-hmm. but it was definitely, I grew the most during right. that time. Yeah, multiple mm-hmm. truths, multiple truths simultaneously. Um, right. Let's see. Let me jump around a little bit and ask okay. you, uh, what trends do you see uh, currently in the film industry? Black pain. Uh, yeah, well, that's always <laughs> that's always on the clearance, Black as they say. <laughs> and I was like, okay, every time I see something, I'm like, okay, okay. And I was like, huh, huh. So, because I'm so sick of seeing it, and don't get me wrong, I got it's a story that needs to be told. I got it, I got it. But there, we have other stories. There, we are so much more than pain. We are so Mm -hmm. much more than trauma. We are so much more than what our ancestors. Because I have to tell people constantly, I say you are here because somebody back there survived it. Mm -hmm. They didn't want us to feel the pain that they went through yeah. so I'm I, that's why I said I would not do black pain is such a trend now it's so much of a of a turn off for me that I am purposely writing like comedies I'm purposely yeah. writing like the psycho thrillers to so like okay let's suspense you a little bit let's make you laugh a little bit but let's a thriller can have like a great outcome you know it doesn't have to be drenched in yeah and I think I think one of the things that uh recently just kind of put me off of it because I was with you I was just like you know I don't really like it so much but I will watch Mm -hmm. a a story just to get the historical facts about you know the experience and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but what just kind of put me off of it black pain probably for a while if not forever (laughs) is the Mm -hmm. that show uh them yeah, don't I, tell me don't tell me so i'm only on episode i can't ooh, four i'm only on episode wait what's four. that what's that episode what's episode uh, blah, 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 blah. it was after she uh was in the garden with a sheet and she chased a little boy down the street and i think she had like a switch or something in her hand so they hadn't did, they hadn't done the flashback to, back to like their old house and old life yet no they haven't okay so when you get to that episode, you you hit me in my inbox and you let me know because that's that's the episode that I was just like, I can't do this no more. I cannot do this anymore because I was like, it's no feasible way at this point that this, even if they end up triumphant in this series, the, the fact of the, the amount of Black pain in one specific episode, it was just so astounding. I just, it was so I, much. I, I, it was so I would much. love to think that's a Leah Waif. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, yep. it definitely is. And, and she caught a wrong. lot of backlash for that. She did. I mm-hmm. saw. When, actually, I think um, I was on Instagram and I read something, and I was like, "Damn, ooh!" Because I'm a I'm a filmmaker, so I stay in front of my TV all day on day and watch TVs and movies. Mm-hmm. Luckily, because I work from home. <gasps> um, <laughs> I know so amazing um so I was like oh okay let me check it out and then the first episode I was like why are we so obsessed with time pieces too so time pieces are movies that are not the current are mm-hmm. yeah it's I was like why are we so stuck on the 70s and 80s I tip little 
little stuff or what Sophia have coming soon. I have a timepiece for the 90s. I think that was the dopest decade. I was about to say 90s is always just the dopest <laughs> decade. So I got a timepiece for, I mean, that's my only timepiece I really have is 90s. And it's a feel good 90s. It's kind of like house party type of vibe. So, um, oh, yeah, I don't. A lot. We need that. I, thank you we need like without with all the black lives matter with all the sex trafficking with all the presidency with with the world texas snowed and shut us down for what was like two weeks we didn't have electricity oh, i remember that that was a lot for us so like with all this trauma with all this heartache and heaviness like i don't understand why people are not producing more comedy and feel-good movies right because what, for like, at we least have trauma every day <laughs> every day let's go to the movies for or stay at your house whichever is applicable <laughs> for like an hour or two and just be like oh snap like let's feel good for a little bit you need we need balance like escapism is not necessarily a bad thing you need it's healthy not. distractions you need healthy escapes and so when mm-hmm. you have I, I know I love going to the movies by myself I'll get me a little thing of popcorn I'm good you know <laughs> and for at least two hours I don't have nobody talking to me I don't have to think about my own you know shit I got going on I can just focus yeah. on these people their problem their yeah. solution, your storyline. Yes. And if a storyline is so like driven, you like get yourself. That's why we still talk about Martin and Gina to this day. Cause we mm-hmm. was, they made that dialogue and like their acting made us so involved that I don't know if people realize, uh, Martin been off the air for like 20 years. A long, and I will still watch it. Like, and we, I still watch every episode and laugh as if I ain't never seen Shanae. Oh, so it's just, some and just like house party house party was one of those feel-good movies mm-hmm. or whatever that we could still resonate with today so i was like you know what i want to do something that people in this pandemic time can watch feel good and then 10 years from now be like you know what let's pop in one of those so i don't i haven't named it yet but <laughs> well i have i have named it i just don't want to say it it's the way you stop he was like no nah. <laughs> I have named it. I just don't want to say it. See, this but, is why me and you get along. You're saying hubris. So, yeah. But, uh, so, okay. How do you go about uh, developing your, like, your film concept and your screenwriting? Like, what is your process? How are you get in your zone? Uh, I do a few things. So, as soon as I get an idea, I write it in my phone. I write as something is a lifesaver. Uh, I'm, t- I'm telling you, sometimes I dream about something. I'm trying to think if Stolen Beauty was one that I dreamed of. It was Stolen Beauty and then it was another film. Oh, 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 the one that I'm now editing or whatever. It's called Loyalty. And that's another, it's a murder mystery. Um, I dreamt about that murder mystery. And I was like, ooh, that's cute. So I'll write it down whenever I think of it. And then when I'm thinking about the characters, I even look to like, people I know or I'll go like if I'm traveling or something I just kind of like stare at a family or I like listen to a conversation and like I literally study people all day and I'm like okay I could see this personality and I just put the characters together um I write everything down do I have my little note cards ha <laughs> So I, I literally have like note cards that like the yellow is for locations. The blue is for um, some other stuff. So I literally write down everything. And then once I write everything down, 
I just start writing. I just sit down. I have my iPad. I have the app on my phone. So no matter where I'm at, if I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is the next scene. I just mm-hmm. sit there and I, and I write it. It's such a good feeling when, when it's like your creative energy is like a breadcrumb trail and you get to like, you write it out and then for probably like maybe a day or two, you don't have any more inspiration and then boom, one thing happens and now you inspired and now you got your next. I always love it because it's just like, you know, you know, everybody doesn't have that experience. So I just try to appreciate it every time it happens to me. So I definitely understand, you know, what you were saying about like, anywhere anytime any place like Janet Jackson said right (laughs) so yeah and I didn't like oh like and this is something I had to do I was never ever titling myself as a screenwriter and then one of my friends was like Helfa you have 20 scripts in your iPad and I was like yeah and there was like what do you call that? And I was like, I don't know, just somebody. I was like, I, I got I I like to write it in order for me to shoot it. Like, I got to write it in order for me to shoot it. You can't shoot something that's not written. So I wrote it down. And it was like, once you start owning the fact that you're a screenwriter, you'll get better. And for mm-hmm. sure enough, I was like, you know what? I am a screenwriter. Ideas started coming. I, the blue, I went from having, well, I think back then it was like nine scripts to now I have like close to 24 script ideas from TV shows to movies to short films to little uh, short inspirational videos that's like seven, 10 minutes long. Um, and then I started submitting to film competitions and now I'm getting honorable mentioned and my script, my script is being forwarded to executive studios right. and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, snap. I say like, I, I am a little screenwriterish though. Little screenwriter-ish though. <laughs> so, so once I owned it, just who I was, and somebody told me it was like, Sophia, you're too humble in what you can do. You're too right. humble in your craft. It was like it's okay to be confident and not cocky, but she was like, you're too humble. Do own what it. you do. Mm-hmm. Own it. So once I start yeah. owning it, stuff just I get consulted. People be like, oh, I have a script. So. On my website, I'd be like, well, here, set up a set up an appointment with me and we'll I'll walk you through on how to write a script, what you need to do. And yeah, so now people are like asking me to consult them on their script ideas. And I'm and like, I never that website real quick for those out there. Oh, it's uh www.melaninbehindthelens.com. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so what makes Melanin Behind the Lens unique? Uh, the fact that we are Black women telling our stories our way. We are controlling our narrative. We're not writing it and let somebody else acting it, let somebody else water it down. We are telling our stories as true and raw as possible to hope to touch that audience that doesn't feel that connection with films because it was like, oh, this is not me. Uh, this is not me. So that's what makes us beautiful because we love being behind the lens. We don't care about being in front of the camera. We all love the work, the behind the scenes, the hustle, the bustle that comes out. So then when we sit down at a, our movie premiere and we're all dressed up at our red carpet event, we're looking at the film, we like, we did that. Right. Like, we did that lighting. We did that. We booked that location. We traveled two hours to get that. Like, we did that. And that, to me, is 
an honorist of, I tell everybody, I can be an indie filmmaker for the rest of my life and be perfectly fine. As long as I'm still producing content and people are taking a good note or information from it, I'm, I don't have to hit Hollywood. I don't. Because <laughs> sometimes Hollywood, you know, will probably place expectations on you that you might not necessarily feel works for your style mm-hmm. or your branding. So it's very smart to know, you know, your comfort level when it comes to your trajectory and where you yeah. see yourself going. So, And that's why there's a lot of people that start their own film production companies because we've mm-hmm. now realized something like, something that only what they say, 1%, not even 1%, a small percent of people was doing back in the day, which was like Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino and all them, like Mm -hmm. their space was small. You had to do this. You had to have this equipment. It had to be ten thousands of dollars and stuff to do it. Now, filmmakers, we'd be like, hey, my homeboy got this barbershop. You want to act? I got this camera that was $400. And like, you can literally put a film together on your iPhone. There's a movie that's out that's a blockbuster hit that was all shot on iPhone. That's amazing. What's the name? You know what I forgot the name because it was a Chinese movie. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, (laughs) still good information. (laughs) He won an award for it. And I was like, this bro won an award off an iPhone 8. Ain't that something? (laughs) Well, let me, uh, not an iPhone 8 now. I got an XR. We can do a little something with it. So what's your favorite film from your production right now, from your own catalog? Uh, Shoot. (laughs) We can come back to it. Look, I always know that this question. I can say, and probably because it's my baby, but my king looked like me. Mm. And that's only because it's our only feature film. That film is an hour and I think 47 minutes. Okay. And I had to sit back and was like, I wrote a film that was an hour and 45 minutes. Like we shot a film that was an hour and 45 minutes. So it's, that's definitely one of my proudest films. I I had to test myself a lot on, like using different, um, learning my camera a little bit more, learning my directing, because I'm also director. So learning my direction a little bit more and how to direct actors and stuff. Yeah, I do. Well, you have to, because sometimes you just... You don't want to put your yeah. vision in someone else's hands. I get it. Right, right. But um, that one's definitely my, my, my favorite. And the fact that when we premiered it, everyone's like, Sophia. I was like, hi. <laughs> It was like, girl, you did that. It was like so many plot and twists and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, thank you. And then they, somebody said, uh, somebody said they watched it and it reminded them of Love Jones. And I was like, mm. that's what, if you watch the film and what I, how I direct and how I write it is what you perceive that what I've been telling you, then that means I'm going in the right direction. Right. I'm doing the right thing. Definitely going to be checking that out. Um, I meant to watch it beforehand, but sometimes, you know, you can't, you can't watch it because it's not, it's not available for public. I have wait, to wait a minute, now you can't tell call. us because I already yeah. knew that it was a thing. I saw you posting about it. Why we? Because <laughs> uh, available to us. Well, that's the one that's with the the distributor oh. and executive, so we can't even submit it to film festivals. We can't do anything with it until they look at it and say this film is worthy to be on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, Amazon Prime. 
and yeah <laughs> okay well you know what that's okay just, you just, we'll we'll stay up to to speed about you know the direction it's going and make sure that we're checking out the rest of the stuff you got out i know i know i was like shoot i didn't did this whole thing again there's people when i did the movie the red carpet event um there was people that was in the film that couldn't make it oh. and they were just like sophia where can i see me at i was and like they couldn't <laughs> I was like, you're gonna have to wait. Oh, I'm gonna have to send you the link. Even my two main characters, their car, their tire ended up blowing out on the oh. way to the red carpet event. So, and that was their first time acting everything. And oh. the, the main character, the two main characters didn't even see their own film. So I had to send it to them. And but it was like, so how much better is it gonna be when they get to see it, you know, in different places, not just one place, but it's everywhere yeah. and it's out there, you know, for the masses to consume. Actually, uh, they said that the film sparked them because they were, they were models that was uh, casted from Michonne's modeling cat, uh, company agency, rather. Um, so they were models, and but they had the look that I want. Because mm-hmm. I wanted a chocolatey character. I was like, my main Not character chocolatey. got to be chocolatey. I was like, I don't want her light skin. No offense. I was like, I want you know, the character I, chocolatey. Let me just, um, I appreciate. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> yes, you better I give us some, some representation. <laughs> give me all your chocolate. Because I'd be loving it, okay? Um, and that's another thing. I feel like they always put the mm-hmm. perfect body, light skin, blah, blah. I hate it. I hate it. And it's so, so obvious. I'm like, and, and then when we bring it up, I'm just like, because I, of course I did an episode on colorism. I'm just like, yeah, y'all know this wrong. And y'all go out like, we supposed to be yeah. here because the person is black. No, representation matters. Can I see myself Representation matters. And even <laughs> at our age, it still matters. Yes. And I don't yeah. know why it think that it don't, but representation gonna matter until we die because we always gonna want to see something like us outside of us you get what i'm saying so um so yeah the chocolatey character and then uh whitney which was my mask she stood okay but she was my masculine female and she was a true masculine female like that's what she did on the outside so it was little to no direction i had to give them into what their character is like there are scenes in the movie that i how I direct, I do kind of bring the, I do kind of bring the, the worst side of people. Oh, are you to make somebody mad and they showed it on camera? I, I do kind of, <laughs> I bring that emotion. That's why everybody's like, Sophia, we love working with you where they come from. But um, I remember one scene, I was like, what ex fucked you over the most? And she was like, so she, I was like, well, what she do? And I was just asking her a question. I was like, what she do? And now I, I like, got to go into the scene with all this emotion. Yeah, I was like, oh. I said, so what if she blah, blah, blah? Like, and I was just feeding it to her and she didn't even notice. So when I said action mm-hmm. and she was like, what does that mean? I was like, like she gave it to me. And then after, and then I even saw her crying. I was like, cut. You got to give her a hug after that. <laughs> like, give me a hug. Give me a hug. <laughs> and uh, that's what the whole film, that's, that's what I love about directing part anyway, is bringing that emotion that people didn't think. Like the stolen beauty part. Mm-hmm. No, it's not the stolen beauty. It was another film I was on. It was a whole bunch of men in the room and they was talking about gun violence. And they were so surface. So I went behind the main character because she was like, Sophia, I need to cry. I need to, I need to get in that space again. And when I was like, imagine your cousin taking his last breath, imagine the hot bullet going through his heart. Imagine him never seeing his kids again. Girl, when I told mm. that. 
all the dudes in the room start crying, but it got a perfect shot. <laughs> right. These grown oh, tough men just cry. And then when we said cut, and I was like, there was like Sophia. I was like, what? But that's what a director does. The director brings that yeah. out of you that you didn't even know you had. And I, that's, oh, I love it. I love film making. <laughs> obviously and I love that you know your energy and is coming through with you know just letting us know how the process is because there Mm -hmm. could be someone out there listening to this who has been thinking about it who is Mm -hmm. considering it who is interested and they don't even you know what I'm saying they don't know anybody personally or they don't you know they don't know the basic information but they don't know anybody personally to even ask these questions or even to hear their experience so that's why somebody um put on my somebody asked me they was like why don't you put the fact that you're a public figure I was like because I feel like once you say you're a public figure you kind of lose that connection with the people mm-hmm. so um I I love when people come to my inbox and I get random people all the time be like hey uh I've been thinking about this I'm like I don't know who you are but I will give them tips I hate people that um dislike people that retains information because they feel like if they give out the information they're going to be better we're all right. here to grow each other so if anybody come to my inbox and ask me i'd love to tell you i'd be like you want to come on my set you want to come on my set and they'd be like sure <laughs> so i just be have people there on my set just be looking and stuff so um yeah my inbox is always open so what you're speaking on is one way that you're like trying to support others in their journey. So I'm going to ask you like, what has been your experience with support in your own journey? So one thing, um, one thing I do is I, okay. So if I see a small business, I buy shirt, earrings, body butter, whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm rocking your stuff. The one thing that's disappointing is, I don't get that same love back because I do have like a merchandise store that has anywhere from masks to coffee mugs to timblers to shirts to tank tops to jackets to duffel bags like the site has everything but I don't get that same love so that's that to me sometimes is disappointing but I also don't take it to heart as much Mm -hmm. or if I be like hey support share I'm like because of the business I'm in I'm in services so I'm only I only do stuff when you need me to do it. Right. Um, so because of that, if I post something, a share, a like, a comment goes a long way. And people mm-hmm. so underestimate that. So that's, I think, is the most um, disappointing uh, thing when it comes to like support. People want to support me, but I've just learned not to take it personally. I'm like, I'm still... I'm still going to do what I do with ours. <laughs> right. I mean, I, talking to every creative and, and now I don't even know what number of creating space interview this is. But I mean, we all say the same thing where it's like we get to that point where it's just like, you know, I really would appreciate people of, you know, support me in this way, these specific ways. But if they don't, yeah. then I, I keep rocking. And, right. you know, uh, a lot of times I find that, you know, the strangers <laughs> or the people yeah. who are. Um, My social media people be supporting mm-hmm. me like crazy. I'll be like, who are you? Like the shares, the likes. And then I have like a group of people that are always like do something, but them strangers. Mm-hmm. That's why anytime I see somebody, I comment. Cause I know that comment goes a long way. If I see somebody that's doing like a dope makeup tutorial, I'd be like, queen, you look amazing. Like this just goes such a long way. And once and it you takes get nothing. out of 
It takes nothing. It takes, it takes nothing. There's something behind you. Oh, girl, that's my cat. I'm sorry. Yeah, she's. Oh, I'm sorry. It's dirty. Girl, no. I was well, like, get I'm out. I'm glad I didn't panic. I'm glad I didn't panic. You talking about the little tail? Yeah, that yeah. I was like, get out, girl. Blink five times. And you was, no. was like, there is something behind you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so hopefully like I get more um exposure because I'm still very much of a small time but mm-hmm. whenever I get more exposure that's definitely one I'm gonna always preach is like a like and share a support will yeah. go a long way don't ask for discounts <laughs> like you don't go to Walmart and ask to get a discount off of the juice you just buy the juice for five dollars <laughs> keep that same energy when keep it comes it. to supporting small and black Right. So. And and the interesting part that I'm realizing in my own journey is that the more I, you know, get step into my own as a creative and the more I do my own thing, the better I get at support because I know what it takes and I know what mm-hmm. other creatives might need, even though they've learned not to ask for it because, you know, people don't really like to do it unless, yeah. you know, they're getting something back in return. So I try to give what I ask for and I'm trying to get better at trying to, you know, balance it. You're not going to be able to show up for a hundred people a day, but if I can touch mm-hmm. a couple people this day, a couple people this day, and this yeah. day, then I, if yeah. I put that energy out there, I know it'll come back at some, at some point. You have no clue. My, my draw is full of shirts. As soon as somebody be like, Hey, got a new t-shirt support. I go and buy a shirt. Oh, and yeah. then I'm rocking the shirt. Like, I'm so infamous. The earrings I have on now. I was looking uh, at those. <laughs> somebody, like, was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Say less. And I support. That. That's just what I feel like is normal. I don't get it back, but that's still not going to stop me. What you don't do for me is not what I'm going to proceed to you. Like, I'm still yeah. going to support regardless. I know my time will come, and I'm so patient in that. Mm-hmm. I... I hundred percent agree with that. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so patient with this. We're like, why are you not? I was like, why? It's like it'll come, yeah, uh, and I know it'll come because that's what I asked the universe for. That's what I asked God for, and that's because I've been manifesting it. That's where I know it's going to happen. It's just mm-hmm. it's not when I want it. It's going to be when they want it. So I just said I can do my work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's kind of discuss the ups and downs of being a black woman filmmaker who is also, you know, (laughs) we touched on you being of the community, but, you know, just that specific. I I don't know of your personal experience. And if you ran into something that is specific to you being a black woman in filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So typically um, the film industry was a white man led industry. Mm -hmm. So not even black men or white women was even getting the opportunity so a lot of black men in the industry now that that you said that we don't we really don't now there's some actors turned directors Mm -hmm. but um if they're gonna just shoot one thing or continue to shoot is the always been the question like i know regina king Angela Bassett, uh, I know uh, Michael B. Jordan is now directing Creed 3 when it comes out. Yeah, so, um, so, you know, they're trying to come out, but it's like, are you, are you going to like being behind the camera or are you going to want to be back in front of the camera? So that's those differences. But so the most difficult thing is um, because it's been such a, tr- such a white man led 
industry, they have a tendency to go to a man. Even now that the black men are doing it, they will go to a black man. So I have, I feel like I have to work harder with my production and learning my craft in order to show that I can be just as good as them. So this is why I study a lot. Like when I tell you I study film, like nobody's daggone business. This is why I study. So that way when I do get into like, when you go to a film festival, it's producers from everywhere that's there. Um, and that way when I talk to somebody, they, and I'd be like, yes, well the, well, the focal length of the camera shows that it's a 4.5, but I think they would have been better using a 35 millimeter with a, I can talk to them like okay, that. Girl. Like, <laughs> like, yes. Okay, girl. Yes. She, she knows her stuff. She mm-hmm. know what she's talking about. Then, <laughs> then that's what be like, okay, well, can I hire you to film my set? Can I hire? Mm-hmm. So I definitely have to work harder to prove that I'm just as good as the man so that's definitely a down but the up is I'm learning so much more being that that now I don't need to rely on a man to produce my films right I have my camera my my little director's chair right here I have my lights I have um, resources. I have everything to produce my own film that I don't need you. So that is the, the best feeling ever to say that, oh, I can do all this. I know some um, people, because they are directors, they have to find a cameraman. I am the cameraman. You so, all love it. Yeah, you, you better speak it. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't have to wait for no one to pursue my dreams and my passions and to go forth my ambitions. I can do it myself. And that is the best feeling ever. I tell people that too when it comes to like the podcasting thing. Because it, it is a thing. I have like studios and stuff available to me, which I do like going in often. And the only thing I have to really do when I get in there is sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. But when I thought about what I wanted, you know, the brand to be and what I wanted to be as a part of it was I want to learn it all. I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be able mm-hmm. to make sure that if something happens, something goes wrong, I know how to fix it. I want to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, I could hire, hire somebody to do my social media, but I also want to learn how to get better at it. You know, I yeah. can hire somebody. Oh, to I'm do definitely my hiring editing. somebody to be my social media because girl. I mean, it's gonna happen at some point. <laughs> it's gonna. I want to hire somebody happen. now because I was about to put a post out. Like, who is social marketing me? I will pay you. <laughs> take over, take over the social Please. media. But Please. yeah, I, I can relate. Like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about microphones. I didn't know anything about editing. Um, mm-hmm. I just now started on my YouTube channel. Nobody taught me how to edit videos. Right. You know, how to put right. text on video and how to actually make sure transitions and stuff are yeah. flowing at least somewhat good. I'm not going to be an expert on it, but, you know, to have yeah. things looking decent, learning that stuff was difficult. And it also felt like at one point it slowed down the process. But now that mm-hmm. I know it, it's like full speed ahead. Yeah. You know, right, every time. Right. And I feel more confident in the content that I create because I know I have a hand in it. Not saying I have to control everything and have to do it mm-hmm. all the time, but right. if I need to do it, I can do it. I don't have to hire right. anybody else. <laughs> right. And that is the, that's why I tell people, I said, don't just learn, because there's so many people that always want to be in charge. It's so it. annoying. <laughs> I was like, um, don't 
be, don't just be the person that know that position, mm-hmm. be the person that know all positions. That's why I love the film school. Um, uh, because it taught us how to be a one man team. It taught us, they said, okay, you have a six minute. This is what, this is what you got to do. So you're like, oh snap. So I'm sitting here working sound, making, hearing sound to make sure I'm looking at the set and be like, a picture could go right there. A plant could go right there. I'm looking at the acting, like, could you bring me more emotions? I'm looking at my cameras, like, us, oh, little blurry. Let me change out the lens. I'm looking at, like, the film school taught me how to do everything. So now I'm just like, uh-huh. I, I know how to do it. Like, I can go to get more training for it, but at least I got the foundation of everything in the film industry. And I love that knowledge. So how I can I can be hired to do any and everything. If I see like okay, Creed three, y'all looking for a little art director? I got a little art director experience. Listen, if you get an opportunity to be on Creed three, please let me know. I would love to be on that set. You know, I know Lori. I can't compete with Lori, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> I just want Michael B. Try. Jordan. I know I'm definitely LGBT I'm... girl, but Michael B. Jordan has been my boo thing since. And I can't oh. compete with Lori either. And I don't really care. I don't care. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I ain't, like, ain't going to get far. I just need, I just need one hug. You know, let me hug. just sniff you. I know he's just, I know he yeah. just look like he smell good. Oh, like a mocha latte, girl. <laughs> a mocha latte. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, how important for you is it to have like a team or a tribe that you can like draw inspiration from when your battery's a little low? I think as creatives, that sometimes happens. Oh my gosh. So I'm such an empath. (laughs) I absorb everyone's energy. So with that, my circle that I have built around me is such positive energy. They, my circle knows me so well, they can feel when I, when my anxiety is triggered, they can feel when I'm depressed, when I'm sad, when I'm unmotivated, like they can feel it and they'll instantly be like, well, what you working on? Well, do you want to go to the lake and sit and we can talk and talk about like, and then I now be like, well, sure. And they do it so flawlessly to get me back when my battery is zero that I love my circle, my best friend, my, my team on the production company my sorority like I love my team because they are dope I tell people I say I got the dopest crew ever I don't know what kind <laughs> of crew y'all got but my crew is dope yeah they I I love they know it before I do yeah they be like Sophia you been in the bed all day I'm like yeah huh you want to get up and get some coffee? You know I want to get up and get some daggone coffee. Come on. Sometimes it just takes that person kind of motivating you to, to move. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I remember on Instagram, I had a challenge for me in January that I wanted to complete a certain amount of scripts. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I call them my goal friends. <laughs> so I was like, um, I was like, okay, y'all, what y'all working on? Help me to work on. And from those live, I was getting people's like, Sophia, how many, how many pages you wrote today? So did you go edit? Did what you at? Did you finish? Like I was getting accountability like, buddies. Yeah. Accountability. So sometimes it just takes you asking somebody, Hey, can you have my back when I'm low? And, okay. and cause you and like my, me when I'm up, but I'm not going to always stay up. Sometimes I'm not going to stay up. These lashes not going to always be on baby. So <laughs> lashes. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. I was like, 
I said, this, I said, y'all, my ambition is I can, my ambitions, they're almost like 90% of the time, but that 10% when it's not there, when it needs to be there, that's yes. when the, that's when the crew, that's when the squad comes in. And you show up for me. And that's, to me, it's so important because a lot of people just want you to pour, pour, pour yourself into mm-hmm. what they have going on, what, you know, they feel like you, they want to focus on. And yeah. the more you give, if they're not pouring back into you, you will feel that. So mm-hmm. it's important to highlight and to appreciate the people who do. Um, shout out to my best friend. Past couple of the past week, actually, has been like a pretty rough week for me. But I've been, you know, creating and she, uh, you know, just been checking on me. And there were a couple of times where, you know, I was just like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to yeah. create, you know, get just getting stuck in my mind. And all it took was a call from her. And she was like, all right, you got this. You know, that part, not that only part. being encouraging, but, you know, people who know you enough to know that, you know, you will say one thing and it'd be like, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. going on? You know, yeah. And that's it. when it comes to you learning. And I know people's like, oh, you don't, you got to have a relation with your friends. Yeah. And I have a relationship with, and it, some people be like, Sophia, you kind of iffy. I was like, no, because I want to learn my friends so well that, so this is a little off topic, but on topic. Okay. So I created a movie called Call Waiting. It was, um, it was, it's a suicide awareness film. Mm-hmm. So I had ended up getting pregnant. I lost my baby mm-hmm. and I almost died from it. And I almost wanted to commit suicide. I tried to commit suicide. Right. One of my sorority sisters had called me right before when I was about to take like a whole bunch of pills that the VA gives you because the VA does nothing but give you a whole bunch of pills and you move on about your way. Freaking people. Um, so she had ended up calling me and just was like, hey, well, I cooked you something. Let me come over. And she was like, Sophia, you normally text in the group at least good morning. She was like, you didn't text. So that let me know that something was wrong with you. So that's why I called you. So I was like, Mm. that was her knowing how I communicate so well that she ended up stopping from killing myself. So paying attention. Paying attention. So it's good to, I know. You better be careful with it. You're going to get me to. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Don't you do that? We thugs. But I, that's why anytime I call somebody, my friend, that means I'm intimately getting to know you as a person i'm looking at you how you post what you post how you talk to me how you look when we around each other i'd be like yeah you don't you don't wear sweatpants why are you wearing sweatpants today? like it's just to know like and i don't expect everyone to have that that level of closeness but the mm-hmm. people who we who we call like you said you call a friend the people who you have around mm-hmm. you should know you should know you know, mm-hmm. and if you don't know, then that means you're not paying attention. That means you're not right. really involved in their life and in their emotional mm-hmm. uh, well-being. You know, how do you contribute yeah. to this person's experience and well-being with you? And yeah. if, if you don't know to pick up on some of the small cues, they might be struggling with something or they might not be mm-hmm. all right. They need a little pick me up here because sometimes it's just a text. Like sometimes my best friend, she'll just text me a beautiful message. And Mm -hmm. she probably had no idea I was having a hard morning, you know? And then, you know, I do that back in return. So show up for the people you love. Show up for that creative life. That's all. (laughs) Because support can take you longer than you think you can by yourself. That's why I love my team. So one day I tried 
<laughs> to be like, you know what? Everybody's busy. I'm not going to call anyone for this particular film. I call it my love and basketball film because um, it was my contribute, my tribute to Kobe. Mm. So um, <laughs> I tried to do it by myself. Don't you hate when, you know, you think you're going to be... This script was 11 minutes. It was only 11 pages long. And 11 pages normally supposed to equal 11 minutes. So when I tell you it was a struggle, I was like, it ended up, I um, I have an acting coach that she's also an actress that I use a lot in my films, Rachel. I actually asked her to come out and I was like, could you help? me do something and at that moment that's when I was like as much as I can say I can do this by myself I can't, can't. I can't. cannot if so, you're creative a business owner an entrepreneur you cannot do it by yourself you, you can need I can't you need a circle you need a tribe I can't now if I need an equal business partner is one daggone thing okay that's we'll a do. whole nother situation but for me to have like a team to be like Sophia what you need what you need? Like, I got my mom that's on my team and she's like, okay, you on set. I'm going to get the breakfast, lunch, and dinner for them. Like, my mom will be like, okay, that's going to be $200, but let's budget it to one. Like, right. they be on it. I, I love my team. <laughs> I love my team. I can't ask for nothing else. That's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So if you could work with any filmmaker or cinematographer locally, who would it be? You mean locally, like in Texas? Yeah, yeah. You can do the whole thing. Nobody, I mean, ain't nobody like nobody you in where you at. Ain't nobody <laughs> I mean, there's people out here that that are cinematographers. I don't know of another black woman that's a cinematographer in Texas. Mm-hmm. I know, I know a good bit of black men, which is really good. Um, I mainly know a lot of black women directors here, mm-hmm. but um, like overall. Um, so we can do world uh worldwide. Uh, someone I would like to, I would say Spike Lee. Mm. I love how he incorporates because, music in his uh film. Yes, and that's art, that was his style. That he, um, I don't know if you ever seen the Netflix documentary. It's called When They See. Hold on. When they see us, because I don't want to confuse that. When they see us, is the Ava DuVernay one. So not that one. So, I, I ah, haven't watched that one yet either. Girl, that or Queen of Slim. Listen, that. I can't do it. Queen of Slim is good. Queen of Slim is kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde, but it's low key, low key predictable. But that's just me. That's because I study and I always look for plot holes and plot twists. So I'll, yeah. But anyway, I kind of destroy movies for myself to be honest with you. Um, but um. I text you the name, but it's a documentary about black filmmaking going all the way back to Dorothy Dandridge, Sidney Poitier, um, Harry Belafonte. Mm-hmm. Like it goes all the way back from those moments, and they'll kind of bring you up. So Hollywood have, classics. Yeah, even they even had some recent ones in there, like Robin Townsend, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is in there, Whoopi Goldberg. You know, she makes her guest appearance once in a blue moon. Um, But they have a Spike Lee part on there. And Spike Lee talked about it. I'm also in his masterclass, too, for independent filmmaking on the Masterclass app. I was going to ask you about that because I was going to ask you um, not so much about his, but I saw that. uh, 
what's her name? Issa Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, um, Issa Rae has it. But Shonda Rhimes, as far as the, I kind of interested in her. It's because I've always been kind of interested in like uh, screenwriting. Um, yeah. I was just like, the way that she was just like, you're a writer, just write. I was like, yes, girl. <laughs> just write. Just right. She she's always said that when she created uh, Grey's Anatomy, she did not think that it was going to be yeah. going on for what seven. At this point, I'm, I'm too I'm too behind to feel like I want to start. I think I'm like at season nine or ten. So after they started killing off people that I like, I was like, "Oh, y'all tripping!" So <laughs> I stopped watching it. But I did take her masterclass too, and um. That's what kind of broke me um, into the not thinking the norm when it comes to writing. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you see that person doing it. Don't think of a normal life. Add your normal life, then add the fact that the ground is sinking underneath us and you have to figure out how to evacuate or high ground. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. she is the one that said, take something normal and do something okay. crazy and let it go with it. I'm sorry, I didn't realize my flesh. <laughs> Look, I was uh, trying to capture a moment. No, you're good. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, let me uh, switch it a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's kind of talk about like the the financial aspect of it. Because I do think that as far as the industry that you in, I can imagine how pricey that can be. Not only to get the equipment, but to actually do the whole production yeah. You got to think about whether you're paying people. How do you manage? Yeah. So normally with my films, because um, the people just support me so much, they're like, Sophia, we'll, they are act for free. So I don't have to pay for the acting. Right. But on My King Looks Like Me, I said, you know what? This is a film. I think we shot it in like 15 days. I was like, um, we have got to pay off for y'all time. So it felt so good to pay them their $50 a day, $75 a day, or whatever the case may be. I paid for sound. I paid for editing. It just felt good because I'm like, I was able to pay them, which is why I had to go back into workforce because I did quit at one point in time to just focus on filming. Mm -hmm. And I produced my first film from it that, you know, got the film festival got selected for the film festival but that crap get costly after a while if you ain't working because you still got to think of locations you still got to feed the cast because the fed cast it will and they appreciate that small act yes um i still have to like get props i remember for like one scene i had to get a fake pregnancy test um so and i had to get it so that way how are you gonna pay It's my bag. Where my prop bag at? So it's a it's a gag test on uh, Amazon. No matter what you put on it, it's gonna turn positive. But uh. I had to, and like I'm always like researching like how to do this, how to put this. I got to get art decorations to so that way I can decorate the walls and the room to set the aura of the scene. Mm-hmm. So it can quite become costly. My camera gear itself, my camera itself costs. 15000 15000 to $20,000. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the basic camera. Yeah, I bought I bought a video head, $400. My lights, $400. Mm-hmm. Like anything, it, it adds up. 
But so that's why I said that I don't mind. There are grants that's out there, which is one part of the industry that I want to learn is the grants and uh, funding, better funding for filming. Because My King Looks Like Me, I put at a $5,000 budget and we we met the budget and the budget included paying for the locations, paying for the actresses, the food, any mm-hmm. costumes, because I did have to buy a few costumes and wardrobe and hairstyle changes. I did have to pay for that. Um, so, yeah, it, it it's a little costly. It's a little costly. So with that, but, the whole cost and everything, how does that feed into you like mentally and emotionally? Um, I know it has to be done. So this is why I'm so big on um, community engagement. Mm-hmm. with wherever I'm at. So here in Colleen, I did a lot of stuff in the community to the point where people knew that I was a children's book author. So mm. if I needed like a restaurant and I call up this person, I was like, hey, I got a scene I want to shoot. Do you mind if I use your restaurant? They're like, no problem. Come on. That's awesome. Or if I'd be like, oh, I need to use your club for something. Can I use your club? And I was like, sure, sis, uh, I'll give it to you for $200. So that, and that's networking. That's how networking is supposed to work. That's how networking works, yeah. So it's it's not disappointing. I think it'll, it'll be disappointing when I write something that financially is going to cost me more than what I anticipated. And right now, I, I try to write things that I know I can shoot. Right. So financially, I won't be in a bind because I know Spike Lee when he made uh who was it? Good in my head, in my character, school days when he <laughs> sing the song, girl. I was just gonna <laughs> let you keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't even school days. It was oh. uh, you gotta have it. That was his first one. When he wrote that, that was considered a student film and he maxed out his credit cards. Mm-hmm. He maxed out two credit cards and got end up getting a loan for that. I try to avoid that. You know, sometimes there are people who want to risk it all and people that like part. me want to play it safe and, and keep <laughs> a side hustle so I can always have some kind of money coming in. That's why I was like, I'm not leaving the IRS. Um, as long as I get the flexibility and schedule that I can, I my corporate job funds my business. And I, that's the best thing ever. Because if it wasn't for me having a corporate job, I mean, don't get me wrong, I got to work more because then I got to work this for eight hours then my production company yeah. I worked for eight hours you know so um but I would I wouldn't have been able to afford mm-hmm. have a five thousand dollar budget film and every time I showed people seen the film they was like oh what was your budget I was like five thousand and it was like girl get out of here you had a whole movie theater in the doctor's office I said mm-hmm. yeah I was like yeah it's just I've just learned how to manage how to manage yeah mm-hmm. yeah and Which I is an it. important part of any kind of business, any kind of production, any kind of creative venture. Like you have to be a good manager. You have to make sure that you're organizing and planning and communicating and networking because you right. never know when those things are going to have to simultaneously a lot of times be coming into play. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, up. So financially, uh, I think, like I said, when I get bigger, it'll be a problem. But now that I write what I know I can shoot is I can I can manage it. Like I can I can manage it. All right. So let's discuss where you want your films to take you. Relax. Heal 
and embrace a better you. Spa Danny offers quality yet affordable massages customized just for you. Let Danny create a space for you to hit the pause button. Who doesn't need that at the start of 2021? Why not start today? You can call or text at 843-687-2079. That's 843-687-2079. You can also message her on her business page at spadanny underscore on Instagram. Or follow her on Facebook at spadanny LLC. You can also book online at spadannyexperience.com. That's spadannyexperience.com. Treat yourself, be good to yourself, and let 2021 be a whole vibe. Oh, so I always see myself in a nice little gown. I like the Oscars or somewhere or the Global Awards. And they were like, best feature film of the year goes to Sophia L. Ellis. And then I go up there and I get my award and I say a speech like, that's what I want. That's, or even a smaller step, not as grand, a smaller step is me posting, say, you can catch my movie on Hulu, Netflix, or Amazon. Oh, listen. But please, and I'm a double tap, and I'm looking my phone. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Because right now I have my the film, the suicide awareness film called Waiting. It will be on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Prime TV. I think in like a week or so. It's supposed to be on 29th, but something happened. But it's going to be on there in a week or two. So I was like, okay, this film is only 20 minutes, and it's already on Apple TV. And it's I thought you were doing something fun. with IBM too, as far as I guess you were putting up your, you know, profile. Oh, my there. IMBD card. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> what did I, I say? I don't know, but it was an IMBD. What, 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 what was it at? <laughs> it wasn't bad. It's okay. It's okay. I knew what you meant. You know, um, we don't get there. So that's another reason too, is to have that card filled. Like to just say, I directed this. I produced this. I executive produced this. I cinematography this. I screen wrote this. Like just the, have all of those underneath my belt because honestly I'm building the legacy I want once I build Melanin behind the studio um yeah universe you heard it um (laughs) I will have a team so much that once I've passed on and transitioned that it'll still be up and running you're right so it's all about me building legacies. I don't even have kids. So one of these grand, one of these God kids. Gonna I was say, it's still a legacy nonetheless, because right. whoever inherits, um, whoever can come behind you for the path that you're paving, because what you're doing is no small feat. You just said how rare it is to have black people in this industry, let alone black women let alone black women of your community. And yeah. so it's just, it's yeah. going to be impactful just to see what you're doing. And if yeah. somebody is lucky enough to, you know, be an apprentice to you once you get to the spaces that you want to get into. That's good. Yeah, I can I cannot. I like I can see it sometimes and I'd be like, oh, my God, what if? But it's so crazy. I'm so socially awkward and I have bad social anxiety. So I don't I just know how about that. In this industry going to work. <laughs> I talked about that last night. In my my life. Mm-hmm. 
I did a one where I picked the most public scene industry to be a part of with my anxiety filled <laughs> self. And it'd Why be so weird. Industry? Knowing I like to be behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and, and then it comes yes. into play when you're trying to build up your brand and everything. It's, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic, but I think we're both doing a great job of trying to, yeah. trying to make and something. I, and I definitely want to say I love your growth that you've seen. I've been watching you ever since. I said, okay. I said, I didn't know that was her first name, but okay. I see you. <laughs> I was like, she looked quite familiar, but I don't know that name. But um, definitely I see your growth. I see what you're doing. Thank you for creating a platform for creators like me that can come in passionately and openly talk about what's meant for them and not being, you know, under restraints, under 160 character post or, you know, what to say. So I thank you for giving me this platform to just be me and talk. It means a lot. Uh, You're welcome. Look, y'all, I'm very sensitive. Y'all know this by now. (laughs) But before we leave off, um, what advice would you give other creatives or other people listening that want to do what you do? want to get started but they're afraid um I would say life is all about taking risks and trusting your wings um we know the wings is back there we just have to trust that when we run and jump off the cliff that they're going to do what they do and keep us keep us gliding so I know it's going to be scary don't compare yourself to other people Mm. focus on you and do what you do and then that's the most rewarding thing is when you see what you have done, produce something that is amazing. So um, I tell anybody that wants to get into the industry, you know, see what in the industry that you like to do. You may like to write. You, I think, I think some people have the most creative ideas. And, and I'm like, well, if you want to tell your story, rip. And if somebody like hire somebody like my production company to film it for you, or if you and I do, and look on you. All right, y'all. I'm sorry we had a little te- technical difficulties, but we're back in it, and you still are going to be able to hear all the great advice that she has to give. So I'll <laughs> let her leave off. Uh, yeah, so I just say uh, be true to yourself and be true to what you really want to do. And don't don't look at everybody else. Don't look at the, the Jordan Pills. Don't look at the Leah Waits. Look at the so look at yourself. I'm gonna look at Sophia L. Ellis. And what what can I do different? And also figure out if you want to do something to change the world or if you're just doing something for entertainment, because that's a big difference as well. When you come into the film industry, it's like you want to teach somebody, you want to improve somebody else or you just want to entertain other people. So I would say if you want to do it, just do it. You don't want to stop you. Ain't nobody else stopping you from doing it. I love that. Just do it, y'all. Like Nike just say. <laughs> but know the purpose just you're do doing it, it for. Um, yeah. It's always important for you to look into your purpose. And you said something important. You were talking about comparison. And I've written about that recently. So please go check that out on letspillfutures.com because sometimes it happens. You know, I think we all mm-hmm. get into a season where sometimes involuntarily we can, you know, it creeps into our spirit <laughs> and we mm-hmm. start comparing ourselves to the next person. I do it so so much and it's definitely a toxic trait that 
I'm trying to lean against. Mm-hmm. Um, I do it so much because I'm like, how is that this person goes viral? Is it because they a BBW? Oh my God, that person got an ass. Mm-hmm. I ain't got no ass. Oh, that person got a perfectly flawed skin. I ain't got mm-hmm. a flawed skin. Like I'm always, I'm always doing it until I had to, my my significant other was like, you are dope. Why can't you see you dope? You think I would be here if you wasn't dope? That was right. like your friends think you dope, your family think you dope. Why are you comparing to people that you don't know? And I was like, ah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you right, you you right. So we have got to stop comparing our journeys and paths to others because mm-hmm. the universe didn't build two journeys alike. They did so whatever journey they're going to go on is theirs and yours will be yours. And if y'all get that at the same time, okay. If not, then it's okay. You're still going to get there. Mm. Still going to so. get there. So y'all, yeah. y'all make sure y'all listen to us. We are two people who are out here doing it in our own way. And we know we've experienced it. And you are not <laughs> alone in your experience. If that is something that is happening with you, but just understand that, you know, you can't win when you're, you can't run straight when you're looking at everything around you. You can't. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you the horse race. <laughs> you can't the do horse it. Race. When horses are racing, they don't pay attention to what's beside them, behind them, or in front of them. You can they just freaking run. But you know what? I just want y'all to go out, find a little path for them, and try to run while looking at everything else. Let's see if you run straight. <laughs> you're run into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sophia. Melanin Behind the Lens. This has been amazing. Go ahead and plug all of your information, your social media, where to your website, where to find, you know, the films that you do have available. Let us know. Okay. Well, um, I'm on Instagram under Melanin Behind the Lens. In the bio, you can see the link to my production company, Melanin Behind the Lens Production, and that's under real spell R-E-E-L underscore black underscore woman. Women, spelled with the E. Uh, you can also find Melon Behind the Lens. I think if you Google it, it'll send you to our YouTube page. It'll send you to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. <laughs> hey, all in one we place. We got a lot of pages. Um, TikTok, I'm Crown Salore. Uh, our website is www.melaninbehindthelens.com. And it's a very interactive site. So even if you want to... Um, set up a time to talk to me about a script or an idea or something you've already written that you want me to produce. I'm a videographer as well. So if you want me to shoot a commercial or music video, I'm all open for it. Um, Cause we also provide video services as far in film services as well. Um, yeah, I think that's it. My inbox is always open. I, I'm always going to say, I'm never going to be too big to, not answer someone's question so well you know sometimes when you when you do get big you might it might be too overwhelming for you to do that so much I was just talking having another creative space and sometimes you know it's all right for you to get to a point where it's just like okay I can't manage everybody right now you know oh yeah I'm not gonna (laughs) no I'm not gonna do social media manager I promise you in about a month I'm going to have a social media manager for this production company because I cannot keep up (laughs) I be posting so much on my personal I forget the production page I'm like oh my god I got a steady rotation now it's just like clockwork and sometimes it's just like okay I don't want to do this today (laughs) right right because sometimes it gets disappointing like when you don't get light so when you don't when somebody not seen it's like what am I doing this for and then you have to think I'm doing this for me 
So. But not even that. I realize it's a lot now. It's the, the algorithm that is just, you know, it really, at this point, I'm like, if I post something and I don't, I don't start getting likes until like weeks later. I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't, yeah. Don't TikTok know. is infamous for that. I'd be like, why am I getting so many likes? I was like, I posted a video a month it's ago. It's algorithm. Oh, it's, so. that's a whole nother technology We thing. I probably do a whole social media <laughs> episode at some point. <laughs> right, right. But you guys know me. I'm your host, Kay Antoinette. And you can follow me on Instagram at Kay Antoinette underscore the blogger. You can follow the Let's Build Futures page at let's underscore build underscore futures and visit letsbuildfutures.com for all your blog posts and episodes. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or topic ideas, or if you just want to talk to me, um, you can hit me up on at allthingslbf at gmail.com. That's allthingslbf at gmail.com. And just type in LBF Podcast into YouTube. And now I have full episodes, visual and audio, available. Visuals. Y'all be kind to me. Some some of them episodes, I don't look so cute, okay? But we getting better at this thing. <laughs> but until next time, y'all, it has been a great creating space. And I'll see you later.